Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast, or should I say aloha? A lot of Hawaii talk today. So aloha to you all. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Ellie Rollins. And before we get to Ellie, I have a few announcements. First, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com, and there you'll find photos of our guests, some stories that they've written, some stories that I've written. You'll see links to their social media. You'll see links to our social media. Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Subscribe and follow us on all those platforms. Also on our website, you'll find links to Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, or basically wherever you get your podcasts. So if you could subscribe to us on all those platforms, that would be great. And as always, I ask that you please give us a good rating, because that boosts our presence there and makes more people find us. So that's cool if you could do that. If you think you'd be right for the show, or maybe you know somebody else would be right for the show, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Ellie Rollins is someone who, the longer I talk to, the more I feel like I haven't done much with my life. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, but only a little bit, because she's done so much. I met Ellie a month or so ago because she owns a crystal shop, Cabin Creek Crystals, and they also sell clothing and uh, body oils and all sorts of stuff in there. And her store is right in my neighborhood, right in Main Street in Santa Monica. And I had never been there before. It had been open for about a year or so. But a friend of mine had told me about a musical event that was happening there in the backyard of her store. I went there with a couple of friends and former guests of the show, Jonathan Legg and Kathy Bianchi, where I met the owner, who was Ellie. And not only did she own the store, she also got up and sang a couple songs during the evening. But in talking to her, I started to learn more of her story. And she had a very interesting life. She had a tough upbringing with a, in a broken home, lived in a number of places growing up, ended up working in a restaurant. She met the chef and fell in love. And the chef was Hawaiian. So she ended up moving back to the big island of Hawaii. And they settled down and raised a family. She raised three kids on the big island. And if that wasn't enough, she ended up opening a chain of thrift stores. And if that wasn't enough, opened Cabin Creek Crystals, which has stores not only in Santa Monica, but in South Lake Tahoe, California, Reno, and back in Kona on the big island. So now she's living mostly back here in California and trying to open more stores while reviving her singing career and making an album and touring with that. So now you know what I'm talking about when I say I don't do enough with my time. If you want to know more about the stores, you can go to cabincreekcrystals.com. You can follow her on Instagram at ellierollins77. And you can go to her stores and buy some crystals or anything else that'll help you get through the day. I do feel this episode needs a little bit of a disclaimer, only for the fact that I took my equipment over to her business, my little soundboard and a couple microphones. What I didn't bring was my headphones for the soundboard. And what I would have known is that her mic is turned up way louder than mine. So I tried to fix it in post and level it out a little bit. But if I sound like I'm far away from the mic, that's what happened. You think 11 years of doing this, maybe I'd learn by now. Nope, got a little cocky. But hey, fans of the show have heard me talk enough, right? You're sick of my voice. You get to hear Ellie's voice and her voice is better than mine anyway. But I had a great time getting to know Ellie and I hope you have a great time. Getting to know her as well. Please enjoy my talk with Ellie Rollins. <laughs> Ellie Rollins. So I am uh, I'm going to paint the picture for the listeners here. We are in uh, above your Cabin Creek Crystal store. Yes. On uh, Main Street in Santa Monica. And this is such a cool little apartment. Is this your full-time Yes, I live here like 70% of the time. Okay. Yeah. And you have how many Cabin Creek Crystal stores? Four. Four. Yes. But you have convenience stores in Hawaii. Thrift stores. Thrift stores. Yes, seven. Seven? Yes. Okay. I don't talk to too many entrepreneurs on here. Usually it's like jackass comics and people like that. So it's, uh, it's very impressive to me, someone who doesn't have much of a business sense. Tell me about your background and how you got into doing this. Um, so 
Originally, I was a singer and a songwriter. And I am a classically trained vocalist. And so when I was a younger person, I thought that I was going to be like a really big, like musical, like pop star. Like that was my dream. That's what I pursued. So you know what that means? I was a waitress. (laughs) (laughs) I was a I was a 20 year career waitress. I raised three kids off all of my tips. So just like I'm an over tipper now because I mean, I was a waiter and a bartender. Yeah, we are the best tippers. Yeah, I'm like, and then whenever I travel, I always decide that there'll be one person that I'm going to leave like a crazy, stupid tip. Like, I'm just, I'm going to buy a cup of coffee and I'm going to give them a hundred bucks. A hundred? Yeah, because it happened to me once when I was just starting out as an entrepreneur. Wow. That someone bought a cup of coffee and they asked like what I did and I was um, trying to get my very first store opened and they gave me a hundred dollar tip on a five dollar cup of coffee and they wrote on the check always follow your dreams so now whenever i travel i always tip someone a hundred dollars on like something really cheap and there's no way to like find that person you wouldn't even know where to begin no i mean it was at a restaurant called daylight mind on the big island of hawaii and I was like really broke. I had like no savings and I was trying to be an entrepreneur and I was going to open my very first thrift store. It um, is called For Good Thrift. I've since sold this business. Okay. And I decided soon after that, that I would take my rent money and negotiate three months free for the lease and move illegally into the store. And then I showered at the beach every day. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was the beginning. <laughs> this is this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because I know this has got a lot of Hawaii talk and I was just at the Big Island. I should tell people how we met. So my friend Kathy knew of uh you have concerts in the back of your Yes. shop here. And there was some people playing and she told me about it and I came with a former guest, Jonathan Legg, and uh it was great. And you sang a couple songs. Totally cool. But then you started telling me your story. Uh you raised Three kids on the big island of Hawaii. Yes. Which is impressive. And started all this business. (laughs) And so I was just at the big island. And I was telling you I was going there to Hilo (laughs) to meet a ship. And you were like, okay, what what hotel are you in? And I told you, and I'm not going to name the hotel. (laughs) But you just went, ooh. (laughs) I just went, oh, no. That's that's, no, that's not the reaction. (laughs) And then I got there, and I totally get what you were saying. I totally get it. It was, it wasn't a bad hotel. It's just tired. It needs like really to be redone. That was a very nice and gentle way for you to put it. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a flea bag. I mean, it was, but it was, and also it was off the beaten path. We weren't like in the town, and you know, yeah, it wasn't much around there. Well, I hope that you get to go back and stay at places that I would recommend. <laughs> okay, we'll get to where you recommend. Yeah, yeah. in a minute, but. Were you born and raised in Hawaii? No. So I was born in San Diego, but my whole family moved up to Concord, California when I was just a baby. And so I grew up in uh, mainly in Concord and um, then moved to Walnut Creek when I was 18 and then Hawaii when I was 25. Okay. Did you go to school in Walnut Creek? Or? I went to Concord High, and then at the very at the same time, I went to Diablo Valley College, and I'm a college dropout. <laughs> and then I studied classical voice privately with Richard Nicole. He's no longer um, with us. He was the original um, Jean Valjean in the L.A. Company of Les Mis. Oh wow! He okay. was the lead of Phantom of the Opera. It just like he taught all the best voices in San Francisco. So. How would Walnut Creek to Hawaii was just this a life move? You're just like, you know what? I'm done with the state. I'm done with the mainland. I mean, I feel like that would be a better story, but we all know big moves in our life are usually for a guy. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> now we're getting to it. So some surfer. No, it's some chef. Oh, it was a chef. Yeah. Not he, even a musician. He didn't go for the uh Remember the whole like waitress thing? Yeah. So but. I decided if I was going to wait tables that it was going to be at my favorite restaurant. And then I married the chef of my favorite restaurant. <laughs> and then he is Hawaiian and he okay. wanted to move back home after we had our second child. So the Big Island, I mean, this is not, I mean, Honolulu is you know like a million people or so. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a city. Big Island is you got basically two towns, right? You <laughs> yeah. got Kona on one side and Hilo on the other. Which one's bigger? 
Um, I would say they're pretty close, just like drastically different cultures. It feels like you're going into a different planet when you travel from the Kona side to the Hilo side. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the driver was telling me there's one side is rainier than the other. Yes. And which was, which is the rainier? So the Hilo side is rainier than the Kona side. Do you want to know some like weather tips yeah sure yeah so um the big island has 11 of the earth's 13 climates and so it's like a small planet wow and it has 23 of the earth's 37 microclimates so if you don't like the weather you can just um drive 10 to 15 minutes (laughs) or if you live in waimea you can get rain on one side of your face and sun on the other side of your face just like stand in a different place in your yard it's so crazy yeah it's pretty extreme and what was the volcano activity like in your life living there? Oh, God. Do you always live under the threat of, hey, we might have to leave one day? <laughs> no, you don't because it's a shell volcano. And so it's not like what we see in like the movie Joe versus the volcano where it just like blows up up the top and like destroys everybody's life. I didn't know this until living on an island with an active volcano that there's all these different types of volcanoes. And so... um the whole entire time I lived there, the volcano was active, but the lava was always going into the ocean and expanding the, the growth. The island. Yeah. yeah, the island, building new land, building new beaches. Um, but then there was a major volcanic eruption five years ago on May 3rd, on the same day that I opened seven thrift stores. <laughs> and it did happen that lava was like, coming out of our roads like there were new fissures they're called fissures and so then, the road would crack and then- yeah yeah it was really scary and it happened on the most stressful day already of my whole entire life um <laughs> it is the most intense thing i've ever been through like earthquakes and lava at the same time of opening seven stores <laughs> well your store is all about spirituality and you know and mm-hmm. so you know all this kind of stuff and did you take that as like some kind of sign did you like Dig deep into that and going, eh, is the universe trying to tell me something here? I definitely feel a kinship with Pele. She's the goddess of the volcano. And, you know, it would be easy to think, oh my goodness, am I doing something wrong? Um, because that happened on a day. But what ended up occurring for me is that I have taken a lot of risk as an entrepreneur and I didn't even have the money to pay my first round of payroll for that adventure. I just did it on like a wing on a prayer and knew that in two weeks I needed to come up with $30,000 to pay all those people. (laughs) And Pele helped me out because there was so much movement on the island that people were getting rid of everything they owned and people and exiting the island. And then people were having to buy all new stuff because they lost everything in the volcano. So business for me was amazing because of the volcanic eruption. It really set me up to be able to divert about a million pounds of reusable items from the island's landfill each year. So the court, what you should plug the business now. Oh yeah, we should say the name. (laughs) It's Transfer Station Thrift Store. So on the big island, there. You basically take care of your own trash. There isn't like a garbage pickup unless you live in a private community, which most people do oh, not. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so you, everyone has a truck on the big island, and we all take our garbage to a transfer station, and then it gets transferred from that station to a landfill. And at seven of those transfer station, there are transfer station thrift stores where I'm in partnership with the county of Hawaii specifically to divert reusable items from the landfill. Now, when you say reusable items, are they mostly clothes or is it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of clothes. We sell clothes for $5 a bag. I mean, nicer things are like hung on a hanger and it's like $2. And Aloha shirts, you know, because all the money goes back onto the island and attempts to pay everyone a fair cost of living wage. Yeah. We charge more for Aloha because we can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you, I mean, seven stores at once. Do you ever think of maybe rolling them out piece by piece? I mean, you're kind of like. That, Spit off a lot there. That was because the county of Hawaii needs needed them to be open because I'm not the first person to do it. It was another, um, there was another contract holder before me. And so that contract holder left and then we had two days to restart the engine over again. So then right. it had to all open at the same time. Okay. But I was to say like Hilo and Kona are the two biggest 
towns on the island, there's still only each, what, like 30,000 people, 50,000 maybe? I'm not sure. I think there's about 220,000 people island-wide, and most of the population lives in Hilo or Kona. Right. But I don't know the population of each city off the top of my head. Okay. Now, you're out there, you're waiting tables, you start a family. Yep. What is it like? Because I always think about, people always ask you, where do you retire to? Where do you do this? And I don't know if I'm the island type. Was it an adjustment? I mean, tell me the biggest adjustments you had moving from California to an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Letting go of instant gratification. Okay. Like I was living in Walnut Creek where you could just walk outside and be in a shopping mall and any restaurant and anything you could possibly want to where I had to drive an hour to buy a pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, you know what? If somebody just created a thrift store, that would <laughs> Also, I being like a city girl was very used to that when you meet people, you just like tell your story. And that is not, in my experience, island life. People want you to spend time with them and then they will just get to know you by who you show up as in the world, which was a great growth opportunity for me. Okay. Well, like there's a friend of mine who went during the early days of the pandemic, he moved right to, he moved to Kauai. He's like, screw it. He he lived here (laughs) in Santa Monica, sold everything. He's like, I'm gone. And he lived in Kauai, but he was single, you know, he's like fifties, early fifties and single. And it's just like, you know, it's nice, but this is a small small town life and everybody knows each other. There's not a big dating pool. <laughs> There's not It's uh, very shallow. Yeah. And so <laughs> it was rough on him. And plus work is tough. You know, there's not a lot of work either. So he's a comedian and stuff, so he finally had to move he compromised and moved to Honolulu where there was at least some more stuff going on. Yeah. But I mean, the experiences people go on vacation to go there. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be much different living there. I mean that was I mean, other than the small town aspect, there's that Hawaii aspect of, you know, you're always an outsider. Yes, yes. Especially as a Howley, you know, white person. You know, they're not, a lot of times, not a big fan of that either. Did you ever come across that kind of? Yeah, I did. Um, I had someone run me off the road once. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And, you know, scream, uh, you know. Words I shouldn't say on your podcast. You can say anything you want, but Uh, (laughs) you don't have to go that deep into it. Yeah. So, but those experiences are few and far between. Overall, the grace, you know, just like anywhere you go, there is a negative aspect. And I can really understand because of how the Hawaiian people have experienced cultural trauma by being invaded and then told that their culture and their song and their dance and their language was um, something to be ashamed about through the missionary influence. And so you can see generations of people being traumatized um, by that experience and that people that look like me are the ones that traumatize them. So I think understanding that and choosing to have compassion and to walk with grace and to know that you are a visitor and this is not a place that you're from and to just do everything I could to be a steward and I can feel good about what I've done for the island. And in return, I feel like spiritually, I have been gifted beyond measure from the people and the spirit of that island. It now truly feels like home to me. I don't feel like a visitor any longer. I feel more like I'm from Hawaii than I am from California. What were the things that about the culture and stuff that you really embraced right away um the multi-dimensionalists of i don't think i said that word right but the <laughs> language is like multi-dimensional in its meaning like aloha the word ha is means your life essence and um also your breath and so people think that aloha means love hello and goodbye when actually it is closer to i am exchanging my life and my essence and the breath of my life with you. And so that occurs when you greet someone, when you depart from someone, and when you're expressing love. And so things like that just can't, I couldn't help but allowing that to seep into who I am now. Did you get sick of pineapple? (laughs) Pineapple isn't even from Hawaii. (laughs) 
I did, when I was in Hilo for a day, I went to some little smoothie place, and I was like, ah, I'm here. Let me get like a pineapple smoothie, you know? And, and this girl comes out. She's like, oh, yeah, we're out of pineapple. I was like, out of pineapple? I had to check the license plates. I'm in Hawaii, right? Is that possible? How do you run out of pineapple? It's like you're at a Chinese restaurant and them going, yeah, we're out of rice. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've actually had that happen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was actually in a different restaurant that served a lot of rice. And um, I'm like, can I just have a side of rice? They're like, no, it only comes with this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Getting stingy with rice. Yeah. The, uh, so we'll get to the, okay, well, I don't know. let's go to the food. So you're already married to a chef at the mm-hmm. point, at this point. I got very fat. <laughs> I was so fat and happy with me and my three kids. <laughs> okay. And the chef. At yeah. Home. Yeah. So are there things that you just can't get here? Like, what do you miss? If, if there's one thing um, you can eat that you can only get in Hawaii, what do you really miss? Papaya. Okay. Yeah. You, I don't see, like, I think maybe there's papayas in the grocery store here, yeah. but you can literally just like pick a papaya you know, off a tree and there's lots of places where there'll be like a little box in the honor system and you put your money to like grab a papaya and avocados, like the best avocados in the world. I basically feel like now that I'm not married to a chef anymore, um, (laughs) I'm not fat anymore. Thank goodness. Um, and I live off like avocados and papayas and yeah, it's really nice. And there's a new rum. I do like to drink. There's a new, <laughs> there's a new rum company um, on the Big Island that um, they just started selling that rum here on the mainland. But for a while, you could only get it there. Okay. Well, the the other thing about Hawaii, you know, people ask you, okay, could you live there? Could you not? You're from California, so you're a little skewed. I mean, it's the most expensive place <laughs> yeah. to, to live in you know, in the U.S. You pick the one state that might be even more expensive. I think Alaska. It goes Alaska, Hawaii, yeah, California. Yeah, Alaska can be, yeah. But they get like stipends for just living there because from the oil companies yeah. and stuff. It's yeah, little, But Hawaii's pricey. Yes. So what are the things, I know like the food and things and the housing. An $8 a gallon of milk is pretty crazy. Yeah, okay. So what are the, <laughs> what are the expenses that people don't really expect? Yeah, I think like groceries, you know, groceries, groceries yeah. are very, very expensive. Luckily, there is a Costco and it is the... Um, I've heard, I would have to get fact check on this, but it's the most busy Costco in our nation is the one on the big island. Cause even though there's only 200,000 people that live there, there's a lot of tourism right. and, um, it's they stock like up. they all, yeah, all the people staying in all the condos and such, they, <laughs> it's like you get out of the airport, you go to Costco, you go to where you're staying. Right. Um, and you know, yes, cost the, cost to own a home or to rent a home and on the big island there's a bit of a housing crisis because a lot of the island is lava and so it's very challenging to do real estate development there um so yeah and the cost of electricity my electric bill in a two-bedroom condo even when i'm not there is five over five hundred dollars a month five hundred just sitting there (laughs) yeah just sitting there (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So that's something that like when you look at your monthly rent or mortgage, you have to think about um, your cost of electricity. And obviously solar like really, really works there. So that's, it's becoming even more and more popular to have solar panels. Those rates, you got to like. You have to. Yeah, you have to. Has the like power company embraced it as well? I mean, they've not really, not really. There's, you know, when you live in a place that has a small population, it's not worth it for them. What happens is monopoly is created, even though it's illegal, because there's there. It is very challenging to do business in Hawaii because it is the most isolated, populated place on the planet, and so monopoly occurs just because other people aren't willing to you know, be all the way in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Right. So did you, are all your businesses only on the big island or did you go to any other island? I have not ventured out to the other islands when it comes to um, thrift stores or retail stores. Um, That is a goal of mine. I'm in the very early process of partnering with another company to work to make the big island a zero waste community and then take that model and introduce it to other islands and rural parts of the world. Oh, that's kind of, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be great. That'd be like, that's like my life goal. My most altruistic life goal is that one. Well, I mean, you're doing pretty good. (laughs) The, um, so to those of us outside of Hawaii, all Hawaiians kind of like, Oh, you're all Hawaiians. 
But do the individual islands have like, do they have rivalries with other islands? Are they like, yeah, we hate the Maui people. And no, like, no. The Oahu people are just, we don't like them. But, you know, we're, those people are cool. I don't experience that okay. at all. I think They're when all you're from together. such a tiny state that yeah, is like an island nation. Hey, people humans in, will find rivalries in anything. I don't think it's a part of the Hawaiian culture. Like, here's a way to explain, like, in a moment what it is to be a part of a the Hawaiian culture. You know, when you get up from a plane, when you finally land and everybody just wants to get out and there's like always that one person that thinks that they can get in front of you from a row behind you. Well, when you're flying on an inner island flight from one of the islands, not a single person gets up until the row before them leaves. There's a grace about people that have just decided to live in harmony. That's great. That's great. And the uh, locals, and I, I know the guys, I met a couple of the local dudes, I guess they're more Samoans, you know, the, and these, you know, or their, you know, their family or whatever, mm-hmm. they're Pacific Islanders, basically. Yeah. And these dudes are big. Like, there's part, <laughs> of the, there's part of the culture that it's like, it's macho to be like a, as big as you can be. And these dudes are like 300 pounds. That's why a lot of them are like linemen. <laughs> in uh, you know football and stuff like that, so it's just an interesting thing. It's just like the bigger you are, you get like more respect from your, I don't know, tribe or something. It's really fascinating. But there's yeah, they're not like there isn't these are a, not small people. It's not a toxic skinny culture. No, no. <laughs> no, no it's not. You would think on a beach like you know when you're in a right. bathing suit all the time that fitness would be like a really big priority. No. Yeah, you, it's not Brazil. You, it's yeah, it, it's come as you are. But what would be considered someone who's local? Um, it might be surprising. It would be, in my opinion, I'm sure you know people will hear this and there'll be disagreements. But in my very humble opinion, lots of immigrants from the Philippines, Portugal, China, Japanese, a lot of Japanese, Jap- a lot of Japanese. Um, and then there's Hawaiians, and then Samoans, and there's also lots and lots of people from Micronesia. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so all of those people would be considered a part of the local culture because people that are actually Native Hawaiian is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because families are what we call a mixed plate. Intermarrying. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then they, you have what people call the Hapa Haole, which is somebody that is like, my kids would probably be considered Hapas, but my um, ex-husband is Hawaiian, German, Irish, and Portuguese, oh and God. he's and he's from one of the five largest families in the city right. of Waimea, where we raised our children. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, what was it like raising kids there in terms of like school and things? Is it any? Is there any major difference there? Oh yeah, yeah. The biggest difference um, raising kids there was that every single person that is in your life is considered your family. <laughs> mean the other classmates, parents? Everybody. Like, you know, everyone parents, everyone's kids. Um, it takes ev- a village. It, de- it definitely is that kind of mentality. There's no way that in the city of Waimea where I raised my children that they could ever get away with anything. <laughs> One, because my ex-husband's family is so big. So like every single person is their auntie, uncle, cousin. And then if they're not your auntie, uncle, cousin, when as a child, when you address an adult, you say the word auntie or uncle out of respect and you never leave a room when you're like in a family home without kissing every single person on the cheek. Like there is a, the culture is like, this is what it is and you will adapt or you will be kicked off the island. (laughs) I did hear a lot of auntie. I did hear a lot of that. So, that, yeah, that's interesting. But, I mean, like, in terms of schooling or anything like that, I mean, it is the, I guess it's it's all pretty much regulated, but, I mean, is the workload any different? Like, homework? I mean, do they... I think that it's just like in California where there are some schools that are striving for academic excellence, and right. there's some schools that could do better, just like anywhere else on sure. the planet. And there's public and private and yeah. all the other things. There's a really beautiful charter school called Kanu Oka Aina, and that is in Waimea as well. And I love their mission. It is to perpetuate the culture of Hawaii through all of its people. So that's great. I think that there's some really cool things happening, and I feel like it's always getting better. But the nurturing that my children got, and like how loved and supported they felt from everyone in their community, I think is one is the biggest contributor to their academic success. How old are your kids now? I have a 24-year-old son. That's a, incredible. <laughs> a 20-year-old son and an 18-year-old daughter. And they're back there or they're here? 
So it's a mixture. Um, my oldest son works for, he's a manager for a security company out of Hilo. Okay. And then my 20-year-old son is a junior on a full scholarship. He has his food, his housing, and his full education paid for. He was valedictorian of Honoka'a High School. Wow. And he is, yeah, he's on a full ride. And he's in his junior year at the University of Hawaii, Manoa. Which is... On Oahu. That's on Oahu. Okay. Yes, yes. He's on Oahu, doing really, really well. He is a science major. And then my daughter was also valedictorian, and they, you know, very similar path. And she is at her, in her freshman year at UC Davis. Okay. So you get to see her a little more. Yes, we just got back from Lizzo this past weekend. Oh, yes. Is it a good show? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, my God. So much fun. She was wondering where her girls were at, and apparently... Oh, we were there. Yeah, I mean, so many good moments. She (laughs) even said, "Yeah, she even she does this thing where she like points out people in the audience, and like the camera (laughs) goes to you." I didn't get the camera on me, but I was wearing a a denim jumpsuit, and she's like, "You in the denim jumpsuit?" Like she's she would call out like an area, and then like point out people in their style. It was pretty cool. Let me just say, I never went to any concerts with my parents. (laughs) That was not happening in the eighties. I can tell you that. That uh, yeah, they were they took a pass. They were gonna go see you know Rush <laughs> with me or whoever the hell it was. I've seen Rush. They are great. That's a great show. Really? Yeah. You were one of the three women in the crowd. <laughs> I've I've done a, I've done a, <laughs> done some crazy things in my life. I'm sure. Let's get to some of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what was your traveling life like before you? Settle down and have kids. I mean, were you? I mean, I had was your kids. Family like traveling. Were, were <laughs> I they traveling people. Did you uh, go around the U.S.? That's or? funny. No. Um. So I, you know, you can kind of figure out by the fact that I look like I look, and I have a 24 year old son. I started early, so yeah, my. You did. <laughs> My very he got busy. Yeah, okay. I um I had my first child at twenty, so not lots of travel. I also like went to Concord High, but also lived in Pittsburgh and Antioch, California. Um, so I lived in some pretty bad neighborhoods and came from extreme poverty. And um, my mother is a drug addict, and I've met my dad once. So there wow. wasn't a lot of traveling going on. Okay, but you yeah. never like well, a lot of those kids were just like as soon as they're old enough. That's it. I'm gone. And then they'll, they're backpacking somewhere, you know, and living I, out of a you know, knapsack. I am moved out when I was 14 and I lived with like different family friends and just kind of like hopped around from like house to house. And then, um, was definitely an overachiever because I thought that that was like the way out of the ghetto. And so even though I dropped out of college, I was going to high school and college and studying classical voice and had a full-time job and was the president of choir and president of the drama oh group and on the local college debate team. And I've always just been like, the way I am now is the way I've always been. And so um, it just felt to me that my, the way I grew up did not have to determine where I was going in life. And I really had this belief that um, if I put my mind to just, to something that I could achieve it. And I started meditating when I was 14. Wow, okay. So I totally believe in the power of positive affirmation. So it's no coincidence that I own crystal stores. Yeah, I'm guessing by the store, <laughs> you're kind of all in on that. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to Hawaii, now we need the travel tips of... Oh, yes. Okay, let's let's go with the big island. Everybody knows... Oh, so I know Kona, mm-hmm. you know Hilo... And then there's, everyone wants to see the Volcanoes National Park. Oh, I can tell you all the travel tips because I worked in the resort industry there for 20 years. Yeah, I got you. So So if everybody has, what's the typical stay, a week, maybe even less? I always tell people that I think they really need 10 days. Okay. Well, you need it, but a lot of people don't have it. Okay. Let's say, let's do a 10-day, like a good itinerary, and then if you got to shave it to five or seven. Okay. So the reason I think you need 10 days, I'll just give you the reasoning first, is because we don't live the same kind of lives that you live in Hawaii. And if you go to Hawaii, you want to really experience the peace that you're looking for. And it's going to take, especially in my experience, if you're from the East Coast, it's going to take you three days to acclimate if you can at all. Yeah. Now, if you're, whole. <laughs> and you're, if you're from the West Coast, it'll probably take you a day. Like I, it's a five and a half, six hour flight. 
And usually that first day, you're going to want to just like do nothing. Yeah. And you won't. And that's ha- from here. You and know, that's from it, here. It's a three hour time difference. Yeah. Two, yeah. I mean, two now. And then they don't have daylight savings. So that's part of the reason why is because I want everyone to like enjoy themselves and really like be ready. And then. Things that I think people should see is if you stay on the Kona side, something that I think people miss that they shouldn't is this place called the City of Refuge. It's at one of our national parks. And back in ancient Hawaiian times, if you committed a crime, the pen- the penalties were harsh. Like if you, like a lot of other places in the world, if you stole something, they would cut off your arm or if you you know, really harm someone, they'd throw you off a cliff. But if you made it to the city of refuge, it was like touching base and they couldn't harm you. And then there would be a kumu, an ancient Hawaiian holy man, who would decide how long you would be there and what your penance would be. And so that city still exists and looks very similar to the way that it did in ancient Hawaii. And it's one of our national parks and it's south of Kona and it's near the Captain Cook Monument, which is um, in the Kealakekua Bay. And so it's really beautiful and some really interesting history and me myself, I can just really feel that that like ancient wisdom energy, and it to me makes me think about um, how progressive that that was. That they were already doing like um, something to help bring their citizens of their culture like back into harmony. Like there was a chance, there was this brutalness, but there was a chance for redemption. Wow. I had never even heard of that. And some people thought think of it that, that they had like a university system there as well. Okay. Like they would educate you and what about like beaches? What are the like the like where I was in Hilo, I didn't see like Yeah, that's mainly like beaches. cliffs and rocky yeah. and the main thing about the Hilo side is the Hilo Bay and that you have beautiful Japanese gardens. Um, before people would just come to Hilo because that road on the west side of the island had not I don't believe was paved until like the 1970s. And so the Hilo side of the island was really the only place that you could visit. So it was a place that people would go to escape and just enjoy that bay, but it did not have the level of tourism that it does now. Um, And that's kind of like when you are in Hilo, you feel like you're walking back into time. Like all the buildings look like they're in the 1950s, which so it has a lot of charm. And I really love um, going and having dinner at, the Grand Nani Loa Hotel. And they always have like beautiful live music and it is really gorgeous um, on the bay. And then just 30 minutes outside of Hilo is our Volcano National Park, which is the most popular national park in our whole entire nation. Oh, really? Yeah. More yeah. than like the Grand Canyon? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Major um, money maker for the island. Oh, sure. <laughs> so yeah. it's really bad when we were having COVID and like, that income uh, was lost. But you can at this time um, go and walk like there's a hike that is around like a humongous crater that is amazing, but not that hard of a hike. It's definitely something that if you're staying on the Kona side of the island that I recommend that you drive over to Hilo, enjoy yourself, um, have a beautiful meal. There's a great restaurant called Pineapples. Um, lots of really fun places to eat over there. And then once you get into Hilo, you're a half hour out of the national park. And then I recommend staying the whole entire day and then maybe staying at the Volcano House, which you can, their restaurant overlooks like this humongous crater (laughs) and it's in the middle of a rainforest. Oh, wow. I mean, it is majestic. Like you don't want to miss this experience and then wake up the next morning and, you know, maybe travel all around the island. Um, that's if you have 10 days. If you don't right. have 10 days, just take Saddle Road back and then go to Hapuna Beach, which is one of the top 10 beaches in the world. Because you could fly into either town. Yeah, right? you could fly into Hilo and do the volcano and then fly out of Kona. That would be a really great way to do it as well. Because you have to understand, like, it's a three hour round trip from Hilo to Kona. Yeah. Like, you're not going to want to do that more than once. And you're going to want to spend the majority of your vacation, in my opinion, on the Kona side because. There's like so much beauty and beaches and you're just going to have so much fun. What's the biggest mistake tourists make when they go to the big island? Is it 
mostly just not leaving enough time is it like i do think it is that yeah Yeah. it's an island for adventure if you're looking to party and have nightlife you should stay on oahu and not and don't (laughs) don't come to the big island i mean we do have kona and in kona there's some pretty neat places like there's gertrude's jazz bar that is right on ali drive um if you really connect with the lbgtq community there's my bar and they have the most amazing drag shows like you think you're in new york city or something i was just there for halloween and they did a hocus pocus pop-up oh yes (laughs) a hocus pocus drag show it was i mean i have pictures it was amazing yeah yeah yeah. oh my god it was fantastic (laughs) they dressed up as the three characters and it looked like it was a full-on like the costumes oh Oh my God. I think I saw that sign for that when I was just there. Oh yeah, probably. Well, I was there. On, I flew there on Halloween. No, I, I flew there on the 30th. It was amazing. Yeah, that's right. We were there at the same time. You yeah. were the other time. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the Kona side and you I were on the Hilo side. I saw a sign for that in the um, airport. Oh, wow. I think, I think there was a sign because I remember yeah. Hocus Pocus. Yeah, and yeah. It's a jarring image. Of, you know. <laughs> These drag queens dressed yeah, yeah, up yeah. as... Uh, Bette Midler and Sarah yep. Jessica Parker. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was at that show. It was amazing. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's funny. Um, what is the Airbnb situation there? Have they regulated it pretty hard? I mean, like, because some towns, even Santa Monica here, they came down hard on it. Uh, so you can't, they made all these regulations because people were renting it out short term. And, you know, it, it became a nuisance basically i mean no, no there's a fair amount of airbnbs i know that it's regulated but it isn't as hard as santa monica okay. i mean in my experience though um when i've stayed at airbnbs and i'm sure that like there's some amazing ones but after you pay for the room and the taxes and the cleaning it ends up being more expensive and then you yeah. could have just stayed at a resort and had all the amenities and not participated in something that is rising the cost of living for the locals so that's you know my little like two cents i'm like just go stay at a resort like stay at the king cam you can get a room there for like 300 dollars a night it's on the beach in kona and then you could rent a cabana that if you spend $75 worth of food and beverage, you get it for free. Like there's some really, like that's, I go drink at my bar, watch a drag show and then stay at the King Cam and recover all day in the cabana and invite my friends. Well, that's a good tip. Where yeah. is the King Cam? The King Kamehameha Hotel is um, in Kona, right on the beach. Oh, nice. And it's uh, it's a courtyard Marriott. So if you have your Marriott points, you can totally use it for that. And it's not that expensive, especially if you book ahead of time. Right. And it's the nicest cheap hotel on the island. Okay, I've stayed there a lot. Not the one I stayed at. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whose name we won't mention. <laughs> I definitely. Who, you rolled your eyes <laughs> the second I showed it to you. Um, yeah, the Grand Nani Loa Hotel in Hilo is my favorite. And I've stayed there a lot too. Grand Nani Loa. Yeah, I actually believe that that's a courtyard marriott as well there's these like really cute courtyard marriotts in resort cities where you get to go have luxury but it's not super expensive i'm finding like especially since covid and they added all these extra cleaning fees and things like that that yeah it's really taking some of the shine off airbnb in terms of uh, unless you're going to be there for an extended time and maybe your family that wants to cook on their own and you know whatever you know say you really need a pool Yes. Of your own and, you know, or you can combine two groups of people. Yeah. Or a big group. You know, I get it. Um, But yeah, you got to really weigh the pros and cons and just the getting there. Sometimes just the transfer of the, there's no one that you get there at an odd time, your flight's Mm -hmm. late. And no one's there to get you the key. And yeah, I want this. I want someone to be at the front desk yeah. at two in the morning when I get there. Like I'm not trying to figure out like someone's living situation when I'm on vacation. <laughs> and I did stay at an Airbnb once, um, where the whole entire home, you know, I did it with my children, oh. and it was like filled with mold. Oh, you know, and so like. I'm a fan of like Hyatts and Marriotts because the standard of quality is like at you know here now there is a thing that I recommend when you're going with like a group of people and you want like that kind of home living experience. 
there's a property that is um, a part of Hilton that is called Kingsland and they have um, what is like condos and they're timeshares, but you can rent them out for a night, two nights a week, what have you. And they have full kitchens, but still all the resort amenities and the rooms are like really big suites. And then the um, Waikoloa Hilton, I forget the full name. It's like kind of long, but there's a Hilton Waikoloa village and it kind of feels like the Vegas of Hawaii because it has like a train that goes through the whole hotel. But if you're staying at Kingsland and you have children, they have a pool there that has like water slides and like all the yeah. amenities. So I always wondered about, you know, people ask me if I could live there. I don't know if I'm the island type. I mean, it just, it's really remote, you know, and yes. it, it's one of the things where it's, it's, I love Hawaii, but it is far out there. And I always say Hawaii is great if you never want to leave Hawaii. <laughs> but if you want to go other places, man, it just to be six hours of a flight just to L.A. Yeah. And then to go anywhere. And it's still what about the same six hours to Tokyo, maybe? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason that I don't live in Hawaii full time anymore. Yeah. As soon as my daughter, like... I didn't like, even the youngest one graduated <laughs> yeah, high school. I, did, I didn't really even wait until she graduated. <laughs> I opened a store in Reno because Reno is actually really fun and is an up and coming um, city because Tesla and Google and all these other companies are moving there because there's no personal income tax and it's still really beautiful and you have the Truckee River, you know, going through. You, know, you and I differ on Reno. Oh yeah, I yeah, like Reno. I worked there enough. But maybe, <laughs> yeah, Reno can be rough, man. Yeah. When's Reno. the last time you've been? I know you say it's up and coming, but it hasn't gotten there yet. <laughs> I was just there last year. Last December, I did a. I worked at the um, at a comedy club there, so I was there for. A there week. are some rough parts. Have you had the opportunity to um, visit Midtown Reno? Yeah, well, that's yeah. like the, the hipster. That's where my store is there. Okay. Yeah. I probably walked right past it. Probably. It's a big, humongous 3,000 square foot store right on um, yeah. Virginia. And no, that, that part of town is nice. Yeah. And I walked there a couple a couple days for lunch. Well, there, do you I remember? Walk through some. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's some, some, there's some scary, there's yeah, some scary okay. parts. Yeah. Really, yeah. Up and coming. Come on. Look okay, at Main okay. Street. Look where, what we deal with on Main Street. Hey, I know. <laughs> okay. And then South Lake Tahoe. I right. really, so I didn't travel a lot when I was younger, but I started just opening stores and places that I wanted to like spend time. So, okay. and you have one in, is it Aspen or somewhere like No, that? it's South Lake Tahoe. No, I thought you had something in Colorado. No, not yet. Maybe, maybe you're seeing okay. my future. Maybe I asked you if you were going there. No, oh, like, you know, maybe. Oh, so my, towns are like, yeah, my son goes there a lot because okay. um, his college girlfriend is from Colorado, so he's learning to ski. Okay, have you been out to like say Taos or uh, Santa Fe or any of those places? No, I've been, I've Seems been up to your alley. I mean, you know, it's like I should go there. I go to Tucson all the time, Arizona, because they have That's the ge- they have the gem and mineral show every February, and it basically like takes over the whole entire town. So that's really nice. Where do Hawaiians go for vacation? Vegas. <laughs> really? <laughs> they do. It's I, so it's so I not. Vegas. I know I it is Vegas. so not my cup of tea. You know, for all those people out there that love Vegas, I'm I apologize, uh, but no. Um, no, it's not. Like I. I'm like, I'm going to go to, you know why I live in Santa Monica? Because I can go to Santa Barbara and (laughs) I can go to Napa and I can go see Lizzo in San Francisco. And, you know, I, I want to go to Mexico. I have it. I'm, you know, I'm 45. I'm an empty nester. So now is the time. time. This is the time. exciting for you. Yeah. I have a bucket list. Yeah. And so the pandemic, you're like ready to cut loose and all of a sudden, hey, the world shuts down. Great. (laughs) I was bad. I traveled during the whole, I traveled the whole time, but it was, I opened um, my Reno store like right after lockdown was over. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Good timing. I mean, I did it because it was very strategic that rents were going to be less and that people were still really visiting retail stores because they couldn't go to restaurants. And so once lockdown was over, people were shopping a lot. And a lot of people had a lot of you know money that they weren't used to having from all that supplement. And um, everybody wanted, I mean... Well, they were going crazy. Everybody's trying to get out of the house. Yeah. Place. Alcohol sales and crystal sales were through the roof. <laughs> so I opened three crystal stores during the pandemic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm going to like figure out wh- whenever you're opening 
stores. This seems to be some major event. There's a Isn't lot that of, crazy? I didn't think about that. Yeah. 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 When's your next door opening? So everybody uh, prepare. <laughs> something some, something big's going to go down. Well, I'm launching an online store. Okay. And like the next, I'm hoping that it'll be in the next three weeks. Okay. So is it too early to plug? If we, um, no, no, no. It's cabincreekcrystals.com. Okay. And um, we're going to be selling our own private line of crystal uh, infused candles. They have a little bit of like a smart ass edge to them. Like we have a candle called Go Smudge Yourself. Um, <laughs> that's a sage scented candle. And then, which I gave to my last ex-boyfriend, a candle that's called Heal Yourself and Get Back to Me. It's lavender <laughs> And a tiger's eye. Keep <laughs> yourself and get back to me. Keep the energy vampires away. It has, you know, those people that just suck all the energy out of the room. It's infused with black tourmaline, so we could try to prevent that from happening. Got it. Okay, so you're opening stores. Yep. And now, I mean, did you put the music on hold to raise kids and then you're back doing Because you sang when I was here. Yes, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, so I'm in the process of recording an album and I have five songs done, which I'll be performing with Chris Murphy on Thursday. And our goal is to record the first single this month. Wow, okay. What about touring with that? Would you do that? So we're going to do a 10-day tour on the, of the Big Island of Hawaii. And our um, we have one date set. It's December 29th at a place that everyone should go to. It's called Blue Dragon, and it's a music aquarium where it has no roof. It's uh, it's this uh, music venue slash restaurant that is um, under the stars. In, in, in the, Hawaii. Okay, yeah. which town is that? It is in um, Kwai Hai, which is, it's on the Kona side, almost far north. Okay. Northwest of How the island. How would you describe your music? Not Lizzo. No, it's definitely not Lizzo. No. <laughs> Where are my girls at? No, I mean, sometimes I want to cover Lizzo and do like a folk version because I'm pretty like folk. You can do it. I mean, yeah, it's, it it's, could happen. It could happen. Yeah. It's like you can make a reggae version of anything. You can make a folk version. Of yeah. Stuff. Yeah. We could like strip it down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a strip it down lyric in one of her songs. <laughs> my juice. Where my juice. And a lot of her, she's really into crystals, by the way. Like okay. she loves crystals and she burns her sage. Like I'm, you know, a really big fan. And on her Instagram, she's like has all her crystals and like plays her flute and burns the sage. You got to do a collaboration. I mean, I've reached out a bunch of times. No, she has. No, she has not reached back out. You know, and her millions and millions yeah. of followers. But so folk, um, I guess blues and folk and world music is how other people have described me. It's always really challenging for me because I'm just like, well, I wrote a song. Very witchy, I guess. Um, my musical partner, Chris Murphy, he says that I'm his um, his Stevie Nicks. Right. I was going to yeah. say that. I was going to say, there's a lot of lace on stage, ain't it? Maybe twirling. No, I'm not trying to steal her style. Um, she she mastered that. I bought a really beautiful um, black cashmere dress that I'm going to wear on Thursday when I was up in San Francisco. So I'm excited. Well, that's great. Yeah. So uh, is that on like... Will the music be on like Spotify or anything that you can get? Where oh, people, yeah. Where can people... Yeah, when we that? release our... Um, our album and it'll be ent- you know entitled Ellie Rollins. Um, it'll be on all streaming platforms, so you'll be able to find it everywhere. And it'll be uh, the first single. Our goal is to release in December. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do a speed round for traveling. Are you uh, aisle or window seat person? Aisle, and I really work hard to sit in the. Um, what exit is row? the exit row and I'm willing to always spend an extra $300 for first class but that's my limit 300 yeah if okay. it's over 300 I'm like nope <laughs> you have a preferred airline are you one of the uh, mile hoarders or are you like a, an elite status on one particular I really am trying to find the best value every single time I travel and I have traveled mostly on United because they seem to have the most convenient time to travel Okay. Timing is really important to me. What about, uh, you're more of a hotel person, is it? You, are you brand loyalty? You're Hilton or like a... I'm not brand loyal. I usually just like knowing what I'm going into because I'm so busy 
that if there is a Marriott or a Hyatt, Marriott and Hyatt are my favorite. I don't really like Hilton because they have the most employees for the lowest um, wage. So I actually pay attention to how companies treat their employees and they hire casual employees instead of full time in order to save on benefits. And I think they're screwing people. Okay. Well, Sorry. Because no, we, we talked about a little before we started recording about, you were talking about wages mm-hmm. in Hawaii. I mean, what is, is there like a higher minimum wage? Do you have to like, or just pay people more because the cost of living is so much? Yeah. So the minimum wage is not high enough. It's only 10, 10. It's kind of crazy. Um, That's but true everywhere in the yeah, country. Really. Yeah. And so I think that you really have to be, starting people off at between 16 to $17 an hour for them to have any chance of making it in Hawaii. Wow. And it's probably more, which is really hard to sustain for a small business. Um, so I'm always looking at other ways to monetize and grow so that I can pay my employees better and give them better benefits. I did a, a, sh- a club. It was like a one-off show in Honolulu years ago. But the locals, the one, the woman that hired us was saying that just... It's a tough to get a, make a go of a nightclub there or something like that, just because it's fact like the you either have to decide, okay, are we appealing to the tourists mm-hmm. or are we appealing to the locals? Because the locals, honestly, they didn't have much money. Yeah, uh, and so there there's not a lot of middle class in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why my first business was a thrift store, and then I just tried to make them thrift stores that were really elegant and that everybody felt comfortable in, and everything is clean. And then I mixed it up with new and used items, and then that turned into affordable, fair price crystal stores. So finding a way to have fairness in your pricing that's elegant enough for everybody to want to shop there has kind of been my niche. And a lot of that is because that Hawaii has such a high cost of living that it infused me as a business person and as our brand. Okay, so outside of the U.S., where do your dream bucket list places you want to visit? Well, I want to visit all the great places to drink wine in Europe, so of course. <laughs> yeah, I just got back from Portugal and Italy. So Yeah, Portugal. Portugal, Italy, France. I would love to um, go to Greece. And um, I want to go to places that I've never heard of. Okay. You know, like I had never heard of, and I feel really silly and very like, you know, um, naive of Uruguay. Oh, yeah. So I really want to go there now. I'm like, <laughs> I was dating someone for a little while that was from there. And I, I still know that. It I'm, always comes back. Yeah. To this. I, uh, you know. Sensing you know, a pattern here. I like boys. Okay. No, no shame in it. Uruguay's, uh, it's really nice. I mean, I, I believe per capita, it's the, um, it's the wealthiest nation in South America. It's small. So it's like right next to Argentina there. So it's yeah. not far from Buenos Aires. And Montevideo is great, the capital, but there's Punta del Este. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Miami. You know, it's like beachy resort kind of area. Yeah. We stopped there. I was doing a cruise. We, we stopped there on our way back from Antarctica. Yeah, which was kind of kind of cool. But um, again, it's it's nice. It's safe, and it's uh, it's not good wine. All down there is all you know. Good wine. Yeah, I mean, if there's good wine, I'd probably like to go there. I have a really good friend. Her name is Elizabeth Gray, and she owns a company called Oxford Tutors, and she gets to travel the world um, tutoring some of the most like elite families um children or no so she graduated from oxford university and then she helps kids prepare and turn into the people that would be accepted to their college of choice like she does it very ethically um and but she that lifestyle affords her to travel like anywhere she wants so i think what i would really love to do also because she's a talented She's also an actress. She's in a play right now in Off-Broadway in New York. Um, I just want to... She also has her own production company. Anyway, I'm just a big fan of hers. And the time that we have traveled together and the projects that we have done, I just think since she has so much more experience in traveling that she'd be a good tour guide for me. Sounds like I need to interview her. You should interview... (laughs) Yes. She has been everywhere. I mean, and she's always trying to get me to go to Costa Rica or yeah she and she's always looking at like i'm gonna buy a house here she has she yeah she's always like sending me videos of all her different real estate you know investments internationally 
Oh, yeah. yeah, I need to talk to her. Yeah, I'll sure. introduce you. Elizabeth Gray. She's she is a very interesting human being. No, oh, cool. Um, so, oh, we need to wrap this up anyway because okay, you got you got things to do. Very busy. You got you know <laughs> stores everywhere. Um, what do you think all this? Uh, your life experiences and living in your different places and uh, what you've seen and what you've learned. What has it taught you about uh, people and the world and yourself? How has it changed you as a person? We're going to wrap it up with that big of a question. That's, that's how I wrap up all of these. <laughs> okay. Everything that I've been through, what has it taught me about myself, people and the world? Yeah. Um, the thing I learned about myself is that I have the ability to remain calm in a storm or a volcan- volcanic yeah. explosion. <laughs> um, and that I also, even with all that strength, I am more fragile than I thought I could be. You know, that there is, I do have to protect myself out in the world. Like I used to think that I could do anything and now I realize that maybe I can, but there's always a cost. Maybe that happens to us as we get older. Yeah. We slow down a little bit. Some (laughs) people don't. Some people... Yeah. I think just, you know, I do take everything to heart. And so I just... That's a really great thing to learn about myself. What I know about the world um, and what I've seen of it is that most people are good. And just spend the time with those people and treasure every single moment that you have with them. And don't waste any time with someone that reveals to you that they're not because they are the minority. And so that's the world and it's people. And then I just really like people. I want to travel to all the different places just to learn more about people and their culture because the Hawaiian culture has um, built me into the person that I am. That's great. And other people aren't good. You give them a candle and just say, come back when you're, you get your shit together. Heal yourself and get back to me. <laughs> right. Well, this has been fun. Thank you so Thank much you. for doing this. That it's my great pleasure. to meet you. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to hear the music. And I can't wait to tell you about my next hotel you can roll your eyes at. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you.